the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Let's see if you can guess who our very special guest in the studio is today. Can you say hello to our friends, please? Good day, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. The distinctive voice of the delightful Pastor Jim Andrews. He's the host of The Final Word, which airs here on KPDQ, True Talk 800, at 9 a.m. and also 5.30 p.m., I love listening on my commute. It makes my life easier. And that way, if I have to run into the office on the way home, I catch the rest of it. Oh, so thank you for that. It's very inconvenient for me. Forget about the listeners, but for me, it's just perfect. And the final word also airs on our sister station, the 93.9 KPDQ FM network at 7 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. He's also the pastor of Lake Bible Church right here in Lake Oswego, and he's got a new book out called Marriage Without Remorse, Rules for the Road, with more information at his website, jim-andrews.org. So, Pastor Jim Andrews, thank you for joining us on Difference Makers. How are you today? I'm doing very well, Mike. Thanks for inviting me. I love the fact that you've got a very reassuring and comforting voice. And the funny thing is, you shared with me earlier on that you used to think that it was a weakness, and yet God has made it a strength because it's your brand. It's very distinctive. Do you have any stories you can share about people recognizing your voice? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're right. I uh, resisted the idea of radio for the longest time when people suggested it because when I was teaching in Bible college and seminary, students would record uh, for their note-taking and that sort of thing, and then they would try to see if they got it all. I'd hear my voice, and I couldn't stand it. So, and there may still be people out there who can't stand it. But in any case, uh, once I was persuaded to do radio, uh, I would pull up to a service station or I'd be out somewhere. Somebody would hear my voice once I was in the Olive Garden. A guy came up. He was waiting on us. And he said, uh, do you have a radio program? And I said, uh, well, yes. How did you know? He said, I recognized your voice. Uh It'll happen at a service station. It'll happen in a grocery store. So I soon recognized that good, bad, or indifferent, it's 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 my brand. It's easily recognized. It's kind of funny how we always look at other people with an unnatural envy rather than a thank God for how he's made us. I, I mean, having teenagers in my house, having daughters in particular, it always baffles me that you try to curl your hair if it's straight, and you try to straighten your hair if it's curly. <laughs> I never got that. It's effort. It's time. I mean, you're going to look good either way, but I fail to see the need to change what you've been given so drastically to be the opposite of how you're wired, for instance. Well, I've learned that, too. So, Olsi, Jim's lovely wife, has decided to hang out in the car and not join us in the building lest we, she get thrown on the air. But so, Olsi, if you're listening, She's you are listening. loved and you're missed. And if you'd like to come up, please feel free if you change your mind. But among other things, have you enjoyed pastoring Lake Bible Church in Lake Oswego over the years? Yes, I have. Uh, I've got a, as yet, unpublished book called uh, Dispatches from the Front Lines. 
Uh, it has to do with the pastoral ministry, and the very first line in that book says, which is very appropriate to your question, Dickens, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And I think that's a, a pretty good uh, pretty good tag for any faithful pastor's ministry. And I've seen the best of times. I've seen the worst of times. I've enjoyed it. I've been there 24 years now. At the same church? Same church. That's fantastic. So how did you end up at Lake Bible in the first place? Well, I was teaching at uh, Western Seminary, and I'd been up there for, uh, oh, about 10 years. Uh, We had moved to West Lynn and uh, started attending uh, uh, what was then Lake Baptist Church. And uh, the pastor suddenly resigned, and they uh, asked me if I would uh, become the uh, interim pastor. And that lasted about uh, eight months, and they asked me then if I would be the senior pastor. And so that's where I've been. I overlapped with the seminary a year and a quarter. Nice. Well, I'm glad they gave you that sense of closure so that you're not going into your 24th year wondering when the interim is going to end. That's right. (laughs) That's a good thing. So people who listen to The Final Word on a regular basis, uh, myself included, love the fact that you're not really one to pull any punches. You're one to go to the Bible, quote the Bible, keep it within its context and not take things out of place for your own self-serving purposes. I love that about you. And the fact is you're pretty much what you see is what you get. So pretty much. Tell us how that started. Did, did you get that from your upbringing, from your family? Or well, it's a very good question. Uh, I'm a native of West Virginia. I'm a 14-carat hillbilly. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is partly cultural uh, because uh, West Virginians tend to speak their mind. Uh, it's not only cultural, but uh, it was pretty much uh, in the DNA, familial. Uh, it's partly by choice. I never could stand to this day. I can't stand people who uh, use weasel words and are mealy mouth and uh, are always trying to tap dance and be politically correct and, uh, in effect, hide and disguise of the truth when it's just begging to be said. So there's a way to say it. There's a spirit in which to say it. But I say this reverently, in the name of God, say it. And uh, so it's it's a choice as well as, as DNA and cultural. I personally love seeing a lot of the churches and ministries going out and meeting people exactly where they are. I'm a big, big fan of, say, Bridgetown Ministries, feeding people under the bridge every Thursday night unconditionally, not only giving them needs like, say, clean, dry socks or food, haircuts, manicures, but they're also sharing the Word of God with them. They're praying with them. And more importantly than any of these items, they're giving their time and relationships. So do you think that there is a danger in today's world to almost be a little too hip for the room to the point where we're trying so hard to relate with the culture that we lose the truth? Oh, I I really do. Uh, you know, there's a book written by uh, Brett uh, McCracken, uh, Hipster Christianity. You perhaps have read it, and I would recommend uh, everybody read uh, that, that book. In fact, he's a self-confessed hipster. 
but uh, he sees the downside of it all. Here's um, Here would be my viewpoint, Mike. I was just discussing this with one of my staff uh, just yesterday as we were working on a computer. I've got to remember, as a minister of Jesus Christ, I'm speaking Marshall McLuhan here, the medium is not the message. I am not the message. Uh, I minister in Lake Oswego. My church is not stuffy, it's none of that, but I do minister in Lake Oswego. Uh, When I go to the pulpit, let's just talk about dress, for example. Well, I I don't want to embarrass my people. If I were out in the country, I'd dress a different way. But I'm in Lake Oswego. Our people tend to dress down, but they don't want their pastor looking hokey. On the other hand, I'm not going to come in uh, in uh, some uh, really fancy suit with a that looked like uh, I went to a Hollywood shop, you know, and got the thing. The way I dress, I've got to remember, look, I can't call more attention to myself than to the message. I can't try to be hip. I, I, I can't get up there and have people saying, he's cool. That's not the message that we bring. Now, Different folks, different strokes. If I were ministering to teenagers, I still wouldn't come out in skinny jeans. <laughs> you know, not a mage. It looks silly, just perfectly silly. But at the same time, if I'm dealing with teenagers, I will try to relate to teenagers. And uh, you mentioned the folks that were dealing with those under the bridge. Well, I'm probably not the best guy to go out and minister to those folks under the bridge, but folks who've been where they are, they're probably the best people, and they know how to how to speak to them. But my gosh, listen, we're going way off. I mean, I when I get a reputation, do I want this reputation as the cussing pastor? What am I thinking when I when I do that? Or you go on a guy's website; he's a pastor. And they ask him what his favorite activity is, he says, drinking whiskey. Now, wait a minute. I know that there's nothing that's going to uh, soil my human spirit that goes into my mouth. We're going to take a break right now, speaking with Pastor Jim Andrews of Lake Bible Church and the final word right here on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Talking life, church, the final word, and skinny jeans with Pastor <laughs> Jim Andrews. <laughs> Listen to the final word on True Talk 800, 9 a.m. and 5.30 p.m., and also our sister station, 93.9 KPDQ, across the network at 7 and 11.30 p.m. So before our break, Pastor Jim, you were talking about the need to be truthful and not try to become all things to all people. Am I... Uh, Interpreting you correctly? Yeah, yeah. And uh, just, you know, the, the point was that I'm not the, I'm not the message. And any time I, I start uh, being a messenger of the truth and thinking that I've got to carry the truth, that it can't carry itself by the, you know, the way I dress, uh, 
but I think I've got to spike up my hair and I've got to get on skinny jeans and all that kind of stuff. Be real cool. Yeah. Not for nothing, uh, Patrick Jim. Wear a tam in the pulpit, you know, that sort would, of thing. I would pay money to see you spike your hair up personally. Oh, yeah, a lot of people would. <laughs> a lot of people would. But I, I think we go too far in trying to be cool. To the point where it detracts from the it, message. It distracts, yes, and detracts. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be that way. But for me personally, I've always felt that when the word movement comes out, neck hairs kind of stand up on end saying, okay, movement. Someone's going to change the world. So is it about this charismatic, exciting person or is it about Christ? Exactly. It's got to be about him. And uh, we can't, uh, you know, when, when I announce a movement. I'm getting ahead of myself. Movements are spontaneous. You recognize a movement after it's already started to be a movement. I don't come out and say I'm starting a movement. So speaking of just growing up in West Virginia, what point in time did your faith in Christ become your own? Again, a, a very uh, a very good question. I was raised in a devout Christian home. I professed Christ uh, when I was when I was eight years old, uh, but probably, probably when I was about seventeen or eighteen, I really, for the first time, had the assurance of my salvation. And my faith was always my own, but I was very inconsistent, you know, up to that time. Uh, I, I will tell you a, a funny story. <clears throat> my brother, I'm the oldest of four children two brothers behind me. Well, the brother behind me uh, one day was, uh, our youth pastor was there and Bernard let out a few oaths and I I yelled at him hypocritically and I said, Bernie, you shouldn't be talking like that. He said, what do you mean? You talk like that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in the sixth grade, I could cuss like any sailor on the planet. But uh, at some point there, uh, I I couldn't define a moment. Uh, It became, uh, it was always real to me, but just inconsistent. It's very hard to explain. But by the time I was, uh, I was in high school, it was a, it was getting to be the real deal. And I was beginning to get very serious about it. Earlier on, we were talking about how at times, I've fought jealousy of other people's cooler salvation yeah. stories than mine. Oh, back on my 18th, 1989 at 10.04 in the morning, yeah. I got my name written into the holy book of heaven. And I'm thinking, wow, where do they come up with these things? You know, because I, I had an initial um, upbringing by two delightful church parents who brought us to the church five minutes away from where we lived. Each was the first respective Christian on their side of the family. And it was nice, and I distinctly remember as a three-year-old reading one of these comic book tracks, and it was called Good News, and it was supposed to come with a five-fingered glove, and every color meant something. Of course, mine actually didn't have the glove, but I got the message anyway. And and like you, somewhere down the line, I was in and out, and I guess my mentality became, what's the least I have to do to get into heaven and still have fun, which is a horrible perspective to have, but it was mine, and somewhere down the line, I had my more stupid years where I turned my back on the faith because of what I perceived to be too many hypocrites. And then a few years down the line, I said to myself, 
well, if my perspective about a God I knew is dependent on man, then my eyes aren't in the right place. And at that point, I had seen enough hypocrisy outside of the church to realize there was as much, if not more, than there was in the church. And then I I got to a point where, I guess my wife said, I got good and saved in my mid-20s at that point. And, and I owned it on my own. And God willing, my kids will not need to go through the stupidity and, and questions and lapses that I did. And hopefully that's going to come from surrounding them with prayer and good mentoring figures. And, you know, we can't raise them in a bubble. It, it just can't be done. We have to put them in the world somewhere down the line. So I find it ironic this comes up in conversation now because Pam and I have prayerfully decided to let him go uh, teach my son on his first adventure camp trip. And part of me was saying, you know what, this is going to be good for him. Part of me scared to death over this. But you know what? At age 12, he knows God and he loves God and God's going to reach him. So I need to release it and, and realize that God loves my son more than even I do multiple times over. He saved him. He will keep him. So thankful. I'm just kind of running off on tangents here. That's all right. So, so anyway, like you, I can't give you a set moment, day, date, and hour, but uh, I, I can tell you this. People who believe and people who don't believe see me as a more content person now. Balder, fatter, and broker. <laughs> because I know who I am. Yeah. Versus back in my 20-something days when I appeared to have more fun on the checklist. But I'm a lot more satisfied now, even with this dog we've adopted for my in-laws who just doesn't like me. <laughs> but I digress. So tell us where you met Olsi. Your wife is just a delightful woman. We oh, had great times speaking Couldn't in the past. So, so was that back in West Virginia? I'm curious. Well, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was about to go to college— uh, my parents uh, got to thinking that my siblings would probably want to go to the same thing. I went to college on a football scholarship. So um, I went to West Virginia Tech, which is now West Virginia University. They, they didn't have the cool logo back then, did they? With a W and the V uh, interlocking? Oh, they had a good logo, but, <laughs> but it was a Golden Bears. So what did you play? What was your position? I, I went in as a quarterback. Wow. But uh, you know, it was it was no no big deal. I was no All America. But anyway, I uh, I started going to the church uh, where they were. Moved out of the dorm, went home, and lived with lived with them. And uh, there was a um, a girl, was very cool. Uh, she uh, always seemed to win all the games, you know, that uh, kids would play. And she fascinated me, and I was telling my dad about her, and he says, seems to me you kind of like her. Well, then one Christmas she invited me to go with the youth group to the West Virginia State Baptist Camp to dig out a basement. So uh, I went up there, and that's where the flame started uh, during that week that we spent up there digging out that uh, basement. And uh, we dated... uh, the last uh, half of my freshman year in college got married just before my senior year in college. And it's been uh, 1958, so you do the math. Good for you. Well, congratulations. Yes. I think a long standing marriage, particularly between a pastor and his wife, really makes 
an even greater statement sometimes than the sermons that you could put forward. Yeah, I just told one of my staff that the other day. Uh, absolutely. Um, I tell people, I say, look, should I ever go before my wife and not have an opportunity to say this? And I mean this with all my heart. Aussie is not a good woman. She is absolutely a great one. She is a great woman. I mean that. Not good. Great. And uh, I have the highest admiration for her. People will never know uh, all the goodness that is in her, all the greatness that is in her. So she struck your fancy digging out this basement youth project, if I heard you correctly. So when did you go from smitten to just knowing this was the one you wanted to spend the rest of your life with? Pretty quick, within weeks. Within weeks, huh? Yeah, yeah. Within weeks, the knot was basically tied. (laughs) So did she feel the same way about you early on or what? Yeah, she did. Yeah, it was just one of those deals. Uh, you uh, You just knew this. I had an old girlfriend before her back in my other town. She wanted to reignite the flame, and she had been our high school queen. She was pretty as a speckled puppy in a red wagon. And I was kind of attracted to her, but I uh, I knew the Lord was giving me a choice. Uh, okay, what do you want? And I knew Aussie was the one, and uh, I just knew that she was the one the Lord had given to me, and there's never been any doubt about that from that day forward. That's just a beautiful story. Oh. So all, all these years later, to see you so flagrantly in love and so close just really makes a, a yeah. statement. We're, we're a very tight couple. Hey, you know, we're like all other couples. You know, uh, have there ever been any... Uh, read that book, you know, have there ever been any harsh words or anything like that? Have there ever been problems? Most of them are mine. Uh, Really. I mean, uh, I always tell people I'm wired for divorce. (laughs) You know, if it... What does that mean? Well, it just means that I'm I'm high strung. Uh, I'm a type A personality, you know, very uh, driven, work all the time, Uh, all that kind of thing. Uh, uh, Impatient. that's my middle name, impatient. And uh, so uh, it, it's taken a woman like her, you know, to live with me and, and to be satisfied. Well, but uh, basically, we get along great. We always have. Olsey's uh, a good one. So you've done well, Pastor Jim Andrews of Lake Bible Church and The Final Word. And when we return, I'd love to hear more about your marriage and experiences okay. which led to your new book, Marriage Without Remorse, Rules for the Road. We'll be hearing more about that right here on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talk 800 with my very special guest, Pastor Jim Andrews. He is the senior pastor of Lake Bible Church here in Lake Oswego, and he's also the host of The Final Word on True Talk 800, 9 a.m. and 5.30 p.m., plus our sister station, 93.9 KPDQ-FM, at 7 and 11.30 at night. And some of the best tidbits I've gotten from the Final Word program, Pastor Jim, have been about marriage. So can you tell us of all these years you've been married to Olsig, how much of your personal experience went into your new release, this book, Marriage Without Remorse, Rules for the Road? Well, uh, 
If you read the book, a lot of my personal experience went into it, our personal experience, uh, both, uh, you know, the good, the bad, <laughs> all of that. Uh, you know, there are some uh, there are some stories by way of illustration I tell in that book that uh, aren't very flattering, especially uh, especially to me. But uh, they're the truth, and uh, they illustrate uh, truth and principles and practices. So, yeah, I've drawn heavily upon our personal experience as well as drawn from uh, the experience of uh, uh, friends and others that uh, I've. Uh, that I've known, whose names sometimes have been changed to protect the innocent. That's just, that's wise. These are true stories, but there's no reason to throw people under the bus for the rest of their lives in print when uh, their stories and testimonies can get the point off well enough. That being said, you're, you're so incredibly humble. Do you find that a lot of pastors nowadays almost try to paint a picture of themselves as if they're a little bit above everyone else? And do you find that being so candid helps you when it comes to the relationships that you're serving throughout books, throughout your counseling, and throughout pastoring? Well, on the first question, I don't know, Mike. Uh, I see a lot of things in pastoral uh, practice, execution, that and some of my own is not perfect either, but I don't know about men puffing up themselves uh, all that much. But uh, it's sad to see when you see it, but I, I don't know that I I see all that. The biggest problem I see is what we talked about earlier, is men thinking that they're, the medium is the message and that they've got to carry the ball for the truth, whereas the truth can carry itself. So let's, uh, you know, somebody said you cannot carry Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ on one shoulder and your pride on the other. You've got to, uh, you've got to give it up. But as I've grown older and I've gotten quite, you know, I'm well into my senior years as I've gotten older, I think I've gotten more secure. I just uh, understand who I am and I understand who I'm not. And I uh, don't try to be something that uh, that I'm not. And as I say, I, I've got a work to do. God has not called me to be a Moses, to, uh, you know, to change the world, to turn it upside down. I've got my little corner in the garden, and I go work it, and I work it the best the best I can. I understand the gifts that God has given me, and I think I understand the ones that He hasn't given me. And I try to I try to stay within my strengths and try to get people to help me uh, where I'm uh, where I'm weak as best I can um, so I, I don't I don't know that I would call it humility I just call it self-knowledge I, I think I, I have pretty good self-knowledge all always have had that knowing who I am and who I'm not and there's good accountability out there for you you're not an island to yourself oh, and no. I think that's made you stronger over the years And I've got good people around me. You know, I've got good people in my church, real people, the real deal. And uh, if I get out of line, they'll they'll let me know. That's healthy for a a lead pastor to be able to share. So there are certainly other marriage-building tools out there that we here at True Talk and KPTQ and The Fish really want to promote, whether it's I Still Do from Family Life. It's coming on August 23rd to the Moda Center followed by Art of Marriage, and these are by no means the only good marriage-building 
devices out there. But can you share uh, with us about what prompted you to write Marriage Without Remorse, Rules for the Road? What what sparked in your heart that I've got to put this down and get this book out here? Well, it didn't happen that way. Actually, uh, others, my wife and my uh, uh, my youngest daughter, really, uh, the, the one who's so very ill, uh, they really more or less pressured me into doing it. Uh, they just felt that I had something that really ought to be said. And uh, I'm very much of the mind that I want to, I want my ministry to be vertical. I want to point to Jesus Christ. In other words, I, this is a little preface to what you're asking me. I always tell people, look, the closer you can get people to Christ, the closer they'll get to one another. We're always trying to solve marriage problems from the wrong end. Well, finally I listened to them and I wrote the book. And the more I wrote on it, the more I liked it. And when I was finished, I love the book. It is thoroughly, thoroughly biblical. Uh, I point out, you hear people say, Mike, marriage is so hard. I don't think marriage is hard at all. I've been hard things. My wife and I have been to hell and back at times, not in our quarrels with one another, but things that we've been through. But gee, you've heard that old statement, it's the best state to live in. <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for anything. It, it's a wonderful thing. It's We make it hard, Mike. Husband or wife or both, we make it hard. We make it hard because we don't follow the rules for the road. And those rules are biblical roads. For example, for example, be a servant. Half to 75% of the marriage problems out there would be solved within a week if both the husband and wife would sit down and they would resolve before God the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about Christian marriages. I'm not going to get up and talk about what I want. I'm going to think about my wife, what she wants. And the husband would say, or the wife would say, I just want to please Bill. I just want to please him. What pleases him? And you get both on that page, all of a sudden that marriage will begin to resonate and it'll go back to the state they were when they got married. Uh, You know, all that joy will return. But very shortly, couples get off that page. They start competing with one another. And with him, it's what I want. I want that truck. Well, I want this. Well, it doesn't work that way. Uh, I said I was wired for divorce. I don't know whether it's when you and I were talking or whether it was uh, while we were on the air. I I say that in the book. Uh, But there's one thing I learned from my parents, as well as from the Word of God. One thing. Whatever may be said about me, whatever my faults, neither my wife or I are selfish. Both of us really delight in pleasing the other. We delight in it. We think about it. And if I go on a trip, I come back with something that tells her I was thinking about you. Um, that's not very common in marriages. But was, like, was it always that way back for you heading back to your teenage pretty much, years? Pretty much. I had that kind of example in my home. She didn't. She didn't grow up in a Christian home. But, uh, yeah, uh, but she was tilted that way. She came to Christ at an early age, and she's not a selfish person 
in any way, and both of us, um, let's say faults, I don't think of her, but in my case, uh, listen, I have enough faults to send a guy into divorce court, but not that one. Uh, everybody's got some selfishness in them, and I'm sure when I get out on the highway and some jerk does something, you know, it's okay, kind you're of not going to get times. away with this. But sure. in marriage, very little of that shows up. I want to please my wife. She wants to please me. And that covers a multitude of sins. I'm sure that makes overall the big picture just so much easier for you to see, Pastor Jim. But if we have some listeners right now who are thinking to themselves, well, gee, I am always giving. I'm the selfless one. And yet my spouse, I don't see the appreciation or the reciprocity back. Do you have any good words of advice or encouragement for them? Well, I would say this. First of all, that's the way our Lord had to deal with it. (laughs) So just remember his example. That's the mode we're in, not only in marriage, but in all of life and all of the world. So we don't say to the world, well, you're not being very good to me, so I'm going to give you back what you've given me. We don't do that. We turn the other cheek. Uh, We went into marriage, didn't we? We said for better or for worse. There are a lot of places to suffer, and not all of them are in a, uh, a vermin, feces-infected prison. Sometimes the suffering is in the home. Sometimes that is the laboratory God has put us in to test our faith and to be a light and to be a witness to our children and to others. So uh, we just have to ask God for the grace on all of these venues, and the home being a major one, to live out Christ, to live out the virtues and the excellencies of our Lord Jesus Christ in the home, and uh, sometimes just to eat it. Sometimes it's better to be loving than be right, is that it? Right. Absolutely right. Is that hard? Yes, it's hard. But listen, being a Christian in this world is hard. Uh, It all goes against our grain. Uh, It goes against the flesh. it's, it's natural to react the other way, but that's the problem. It's natural. Uh, we are people empowered to live supernaturally. So we've got to ask God for grace to rise above it. And uh, I, I've seen people, I've seen husbands come to Christ because of wives who would do that. They don't, they don't always give them that blowback. They don't say, okay, I'm sick of it, George. I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, we don't gain anything when we go there. We just make matters worse. So before we take a break here, Pastor Jim, have there been any couples, perhaps your parents or other figures that in a way mentored or modeled for you some positive Christly aspects of your marriage today? Well, a lot have, but none more than my own parents. Uh, My own parents, my dad thought my mother hung the moon. Uh, My dad was a man's man. But he thought my mother was the smartest woman, the best woman that ever walked the face of the earth. And my mother greatly admired my dad. So they held hands until they, while they were both alive. You know, they they were just a, a loving, close couple. What a great model to put before you. Yeah, I, uh, listen, I never saw anything out of my parents. That I've asked myself a thousand times, was this true? It is true. I never saw anything out of my parents and their relationship or with us. They made some mistakes of the head. I never saw one that I recognized to be a mistake of the heart. I never saw anything that I recognized to be a lack of integrity. In me, along the way, yes, there have been some moments 
where uh, there's been mistakes of the heart as well as the head. I never saw that out of my parents. I mean, you, you got to love that. More with Pastor Jim Andrews next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Pastor Jim Andrews hosts the final word on True Talk 800, 9 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. and also on our sister station, KPDQ 93.9 at 7 and 11 p.m. And his latest book is Marriage Without Remorse, Rules for the Road. You can find more information on the book and how to purchase it at jim-andrews.org. Thanks so much for coming in, Pastor Jim. I really enjoy your company as well as appreciate what you you and Olsi and Lake Bible Church do for our community. So tell us more about this book. You mentioned that your daughter and your wife really kind of gave you that nudge that you had to put this down on paper. And once you got rolling, you enjoyed writing Marriage Without Remorse, The Rules for the Road. So tell us more about the book and any particular examples that could help us out in this busy day where we often have two parents working, kids all over the place, and it seems like a never-ending struggle between faith, life, and family. Well, the book is built around biblical principles, uh, Mike. Uh, every chapter begins with with B, B-E. Uh, it is a, largely, all of them are statements, not every one of them, but all, most of them are statements of biblical uh, principle, uh, like be a servant, uh, be forgiving, uh, uh, be a, a good steward. You know, I should have brought a book along. I'm forgetting my own book here. <laughs> and it's all, okay. It's written all, down. You can buy the, your own copy, folks. All the content. <laughs> but you mentioned something uh, somewhere uh, along the way in this uh, little dialogue we've had. Um, toward the end, I've included uh, chapters about uh, this very principle. You said we cannot raise our children in a hothouse. And I find that um, many... Uh, Parents, many Christian parents, are uh, trying to do that very thing. They are. Uh, they want to raise their kids by proxy. They want to send them to Christian schools, you know, and just rear them all the way in a uh, protected environment. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with Christian schools and that kind of thing, but what parents need to remember, and I emphasize this very strongly. They need to remember what I saw along the way, that the most important influence on their children's spiritual Christian development is in the home. You can spend $15,000 a year, $20,000 a year, sending your kids to the best Christian schools or what you regard as such. Many of them aren't nearly as good as parents think they are and aren't nearly as influential as parents think they are. But uh, I'll tell you something. Uh, the most impactful thing is a godly example in our home. Between breaks, I was telling you about uh, us four children. Three of us know the Lord. One brother is very moral, very successful. Uh, but he said of our parents, he said, well, I'll say one thing, even though he hasn't followed their faith. They practiced what they preached. And it can't get any better than that. That's what you want. You want kids to see parents who walk the talk, and a lot don't. I know a lot of parents who send their kids to Christian schools, and the parents don't walk the talk, but somehow they 
send the I saw that same thing when I was teaching in Bible college before I ever started teaching in a seminary. I taught 10 years, 21 years of my life in academia. And uh, they would send these kids for us to reform them in Bible college. Well, it doesn't work. Uh, ultimately, the kids go back to the example of their parents. And if they find hypocrisy there, uh, you're pretty much dead in the water. So it's the classroom under your own roof, which has a lot more long-term effect on your children than the ones you send them to outside oh, the home. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's the premier one, the premier one. And uh, we've just got to get our marriages grounded in biblical principle, all kinds of marriage books out there. But they're talking about psychology. They're talking about uh, all kinds of issues that are superficial. This book... This book grounds us biblically, uh, but it also makes the point that it takes two people to work it out. Listen, if I'm not totally invested in my marriage, but my wife is, and she, well, we're pretty well stuck. It takes two to make this work, and uh, if one won't work, the marriage is not going to be as fulfilling. Uh, it's not going to be as fruitful as... Uh, it was meant to be. Speaking of uh, mentoring figures, tell us about your personal prayer life with Olsey. Yeah, good question. You've asked a lot of good questions. Uh, my wife and I, uh, well, let me go back. Uh, I'm a very private person. People, This will surprise people when it comes to prayer. Uh, when I was in my first church back in West Virginia, I would go down about 7 o'clock in the morning, spend about an hour in prayer, nobody was there, just walking around the church. I'm a walker. I'm a peripatetic individual. I love to pray when I can walk. You can't sit still for a minute, can you? <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm just kind of that uh, sort of guy. Well, um, I really I really didn't uh, so much like to pray with the family. Um, and my wife loved God's Word, but she had trouble learning prayer. Until big-time troubles hit us, not marital troubles, but just all kinds of things, our illness with our daughter. She's become a prayer warrior, and uh, she may outdo me. Uh, but every morning when we're driving to work, takes us about 20 minutes to drive to work, we pray uh, on the way to work. And then she will pray every afternoon six days a week with my daughter when she goes over to do caretaking before we leave. So that's pretty much the way we work at that, that 20 minutes driving to work. She's always with me. We work at the church, both of us. That is a thing of beauty. So for fledgling couples, no matter how long they've been married, if they're younger in the prayer game, shall we call it, do you have any good advice or suggestions or starting points that they well, can build from? Start praying. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a guy told a student who had been out of Greek for a long time. So I said, well, I've been out of it for so long, I don't know these things. He says, well, start. Just go back and go to your grammar book and, and start just doing a little bit a day. Well, I wouldn't try to pray an hour a day with my spouse in that case. Just start praying. Not now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Uh, what are what are your burdens? You know, uh, prayer. Uh, prayer is uh, worshipful petition. 
So go in and praise God. Thank God. Just thank him for all the good things that surround you. That's that's kind of the theme of my book uh, uh, about uh, monumental faith, you know, uh, polishing God's monuments. Learn to polish those monuments. Start there. Uh, if we were thankful for more, we'd have more to be thankful for, as Jim Elliott once said. And we need to learn to that. And then just bring our our fundamental petitions before the Lord. Just just do that. You don't have to pray for hours, but start there. You'll get the taste for it and you'll love it. It doesn't have to be fancy. God knows. No. Be real. Not mechanical. Be real. And being real is one of your gifts, Pastor Jim, whether it's on The Final Word here on True Talk or KPDQ or in your latest book, Marriage Without Remorse, Rules for the Road. It's available at jim-andrews.org. And if you had to pick one person out here who's listening right now, whose marriage maybe has hit a lull or is going through some difficulties, can you give one strong bit of encouragement from your book, Marriage Without Remorse, Rules for the Road? Well, I would go back to, uh, you know, that uh, that first first chapter. I'd go back and I'd, I'd get to ground zero. Listen, when you started out in marriage, when you were standing there at the altar, didn't you fully intend when you were standing there, unless you were a hypocrite in that too, didn't you fully intend to uh, do everything they said, you know, for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, to, to serve one another? Didn't it? Well, go back, do that. Decide, look, I don't care what happens. I don't. They may not respond, but I'm going to be a servant to them. Start there, see what happens. You can do what's in your power. You can you use can, the tool that God in puts your in power. your hands. You can't no matter the, what. No matter what. I'm going to start there. I'm going to start there because it's right. It's not a technique. It's right before God, not just with my spouse, but with anybody else, my children. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to serve them, not serve myself. And wonderful things can happen once somebody says, man, they've changed. Who knows where that can go? We can put out flames here and there, but unless we actually have a heart change, that we're trying to follow this Bible— and exactly. this example that Christ has put before us, we're just kind of knocking off symptoms, symptoms from time to time. Exactly. But we're not going to save our marriages or build them or set great examples for our kids without the love of God. So thanks so much for coming on today. Pastor Jim Andrews can be reached at jima at lakebiblechurch.com by email. Check out his websites, including thefinalwordradio.org lakebiblechurch.com, and to find out more information about his latest book, Marriage Without Remorse, Rules for the Road, check out the website jim-andrews.org. Jim, anyone you want to say hi to on the way out? Oh, I want to say hi to all of my friends, all of my listeners, and uh, anyone else who just may have happened to tune in. Listen to The Final Word on True Talk 800 and 93.9 KPDQ-FM, and thanks so much for listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.